Hello, and welcome to The Canadian Story, where we discuss what Canada is, what Canada could be, and what Canada should be. We're rolling. Here we go. Cool. So, Scott, yes. tell us about yourself. Um, well, my name is Scott, as you know. Um, You're the lead w- singer of a band. Yeah, Mucho Disaster. Uh, what else did you want to know? Every every like, What makes you tick? Who are you? Uh, I hate to answer that. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we'll get to that. But yeah. tell us about Mucho Disaster. How did it start? What What do you What What is its mm. spirit? Um, it started with me and my brother. When I started writing songs, like when I was like thirteen, I'm four years older than Jay, and uh, then I would always just run out by my all my songs. I would run all my ideas by Jay. And then he would like give me feedback from when he was like nine years old. <laughs> and then, <laughs> so when that. I was about 16, he was about 12, maybe 15, 11, somewhere around there, I taught him to play guitar so that we could start to piece songs together, actual things. And like we did different parts and stuff like that and complimented each other. So we started just kind of building it like that. And the vision, I never really like, I, I've had all kinds of different like dreams about it and hopes about it. And then sometimes it's just more off to the side. Like throughout my life, it kind of floated around in different capacities. And um, then I guess we we lived in a house together in uh, St. Catharines when I was going to Brock. He was working in St. Catharines, and his girlfriend then, now wife, was going to Brock as well. And we basically started playing a lot more songs. Now we're living together like as like young adults, and we started to kind of write all these tunes and like really advance. And some of the like the old ones that we wrote when we were kids like have, are still around and stuff like that. And then we started to come up with, and it really started to advance a little bit further. We started to do live shows, little bars, little coffee shops, small stuff. And, uh, and then we never really let it go. And then I moved out to Scarborough. I was in Toronto for a while, and I was doing, I was doing like a solo thing, and I was doing some just shows, just me. And I joined a handful of different bands, bounced around stuff that didn't work out, little projects. I um, tried to always fuse my songs in here, always kept Jay uh, around, and always told them, like, we're going to, like, I think I might have a pretty good band for us. Like, my plan was always, like, take it over. And that's the wrong attitude, and I think that's why it never worked out. And eventually it was just kind of like, okay, we need to start this ourselves. And uh, one of my best buds, I also went to Humber College for acting. A guy I met there, Al, who works in uh, the movies now, he's this amazing musician, phenomenal blues guitar player. Uh, he came out, and we were all just hanging out, me, him, and Jay, and we wrote this song just for fun, just for a jam. We would do that all the time. But this one particular song we wrote, we were like, this is really awesome. I want to record it. I want to make something of it. And we're like, okay, what do we call it? Like, I think it's called Mucho Disaster. I'm like, okay, that's so that's sweet. So we laid down the one track, and while we were doing that, we were jamming a lot and playing around with ideas, and we started to get some more ideas that we liked, and we wrote this song, Switch It Up, and um, Evolution, and started to kind of, like, write more songs. We're like, I guess we have to record an album now because we loved the way Mucho sounded for just, like, a recorded in a uh, basement in Hamilton type thing. So we did a whole album mainly down there, did some drums in a studio in Wasaga. We started to get more serious about it, and we did it over about three years until all of a sudden we had this, like, album that um, I feel pretty happy about. Sometimes when I listen back, it sounds, like, amateurish in, like, some ways just because, like, the recording quality was in there. But um, out of necessity, a lot of the time was born a lot of, like, good ideas, like, like just interesting ideas. Like, we hit up actual pots and pans and, like, stuff like that kind of happens on the project. So it sounds... Uh, kind of like really interesting to me maybe interesting to some other people if they listen to it whatever i think some parts are undeniably catchy and uh, so we thought we had something pretty good there and then 
I basically, after we dropped it in uh, June 2019, um, just like released it just virtually on the streaming platforms, didn't really get any play, not, not any interest. We didn't promote it, nothing like that. But then I went on a little uh, acoustic tour through Quebec and Eastern Ontario and did a whole bunch of shows in Montreal and uh, Montreal Blanc and like all over the place. And basically what had happened was we started to get a little bit of traction on it, whatever. And I was coming up with all these ideas. Now all of a sudden I, I found myself fully immersed in the project and I was kind of phasing out like all my other little things. And when I got back, I basically was working as little as possible. I was living in a van um, at the end of my brother's property and we were recording songs in a shed and just like trying to like do this next thing, like the next phase of it. And uh, we called that Modern Music. We ended up dropping that last year. And during the time that we were recording that, we brought in Shane, we brought in this drummer, Dilly, who's not really drumming with us anymore, unfortunately. And uh, we started to do all these live shows as the full band, and it really started to spark, and people really seemed to take to it, enough at least um, from my perspective that I felt really fueled, and I felt like I wanted to, like, I was just, I was full in on this thing now. And then uh, we basically brought Danny in after like when COVID happened. We had all these shows lined up. I already wanted, I had him in mind because I've known him for years and I know he's a fantastic musician. And then I basically wanted to uh, advance the project even further, add what he'll bring to the table, more levels, more ideas, and just more intricate kind of thoughts. And then uh, COVID happened. We, we, we were going to be in the bout, the giant uh, contest in Toronto at the hideout. And we were going to, we, we had a new music night, you know, Bookie on the edge used to do new music night at uh, Horseshoe Tavern. We were going to do one of those nights and we had all this stuff lined up and like my schedule was packed and I was just like thriving and then it all got taken away. And, uh, you know, sometimes I think like, uh, when God like, puts you in like a dark spot and like you kind of feel like you got everything taken away from you but if you like trust in the long run then like good things happen and I think like now we're at a place where we're in this whole new creative zone and there's all these possibilities and we're just looking forward to making the next thing so that's yeah I love that story. and why don't you share before we go into this because we're gonna be talking about music for this whole time pretty much but why don't you go into your dance competition emceeing side because that's the mm. part that a lot, of, a lot of people you know in the music side know about you I think mm-hmm I'm, a, I'm, I'm more known in the dance right. world by yes. far. I emcee the Northern Stars dance competitions. So that's like one of the big, like, you know, top 10 in Canada. And I also do the finals, the national finals as well, which is in Mont-Tremblant, um, where all the, you know, all the top things go at the end of the year in the summer. So we would do that as well. And uh, basically it was a lot of fun. I just, I've been doing it for 12 years. Um, I grew up a competitive dancer and then became, in my 20s, uh, one of my side gigs was I used to do a lot of background dancing and much music videos and things like that. And I did some choreography for um, the French channel TFO. We used to have this art show where they would have performers do a live thing and they would have also um, choreography in the back. So I used to do choreo for them and uh, stayed, always kept teaching all the way through it up until um, the whole situation. And uh, yeah, I haven't been able to teach since. Um, but yes, dance has always been just like a huge part of my life. Um, even when I used to play with uh, Della Rose, this other band I played with for a few years, a band I really liked. I really liked those guys, and we were um, playing a lot of really great shows together. I used to always like turn it into like a dance show in my mind. Like I wanted to be playing because I wasn't lead singing, so I was just playing guitar on the side, and I just wanted to like groove and swing my hips and stuff and get into the funk, you know. So you said to me uh, recently, which I loved, you said, "I'm not really a musician; I'm a philosopher." Why don't you speak to that? 
Uh, I guess what I meant when I said that to you was that I like to just kind of, I think what I like about music is the like meaning behind it. Yeah. So I'm yeah. more into like, if I get to the core of it, what I really like is like the message, the feeling and the emotion and stuff like that. And then that kind of comes out through music. So that's probably what I was alluding to. Yeah. Cause I, cause I think of when I think of you, I think of someone who loves art, mm-hmm. right? Like, like you, you're, you embody the just pure unadulterated appreciation for the emotions that music can convey. Thanks. Right. And yeah, you, you like art a lot too. So yes, I think that's yeah. why we click. Exactly. You know? Exactly. And, um, I've really appreciated being around you because I find, and I think Zach could probably speak to this, but I find that so many musicians are not about the art anymore. Hmm. They're about the fame or they're about the feeling that they get from being an artist or being a musician or the identity they get. But like, that's not getting lost in the art. No. Um, I think um, there's definitely a commercialized sound right now. And also I think there's just a lot of bands out there that are just all doing the same thing. I don't really know why, but um, it's cyclical because I think the late 80s were like this where the, all the things started to get kind of like a lot of these like synthy kind of like whatever um, kind of generic sound. And of course they were destined for that 1991. The people were clamoring for, the, the tastemakers were clamoring for something like Nirvana, something to come out of left field, be different, get back to Rootsy in that case. This time around, who knows um, what it'll be, but I do think we're also on the verge right now. If people are kind of like, we need something that's gonna be different. And well, yeah, we need we need art again, mm-hmm. not not consumable products. Right. Yeah. Because yeah, to your point, yeah, art is not something that you know that is ever like forced or whatever, right? Because then you lose the authenticity of it. So, so I want you to go into that a little bit, your philosophy of rock and roll, because I want, really want to talk about that. But, but more importantly, your philosophy of what art is. It's weird. I don't want to come across like an asshole because I'm like not accomplished. It's like, you guys want the six keys to success? Step one, find, find your passion. Your <laughs> find your passion. Oh, right. Find your passion. That's right. That's yeah. right. Step two is find your notepad. That's right. Yes, Step yes. two, get a notepad because you're going to want to write this down. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know. I forget the question. No, it's, it's more just like, what is art to you? Oh, um, Art is life. Right. Quite simply. And it's the beauty of life and everything like that. And it's everything that we are fighting for. Like I think like a part of the problem um, right now today is that in the sake of convenience, we've lost a lot of personality just as a whole as society. So you have like, uh, oh, like, look, I can like voice automate the lights in my house now. It's like, okay, but you couldn't flip the switch or you don't like going over to a lamp and like doing it or whatever. Like how can, how much do you want to just sit there and just watch TV and have like robots bring you food and feed you and stuff and you just lie there like a vegetable? Like where <laughs> yes, does it, where yeah. does it end? You know where, what I mean? Well, it doesn't seem to be ending. Like no. now we just order whatever we want to our homes. We to our homes. We don't go out and about, well, that's what they wanted. This is what they wanted. Now we're all isolated. Now it's everybody stay in your quadrants, stay and in, buy, your cute, yep. in your little, in your, um, Every, they want everyone in condos. They want us all in little boxes, like sardines, and we're all paying all these extra fees, and it's all owned by these buildings. You don't really own it, you know. And then, uh, it's not like, yeah, it's not like you can sell it, and then and that'll be full, that'll be full control for them. So that's where we're like, and they've made it, and like, look how convenient it is, and like all these things. But like, we've lost like the niceties, and we've lost kind of the magic 
like Jay actually he moved out to a farm. I mean, you gotta have him on the show. Like, oh, we're definitely it. having him but on the show. But he has yeah. like he doesn't have a cell phone, he just has a landline. Like he went back and like Oh, uh, I've dreamed of that. It's awesome. <laughs> I know I've told people that's they're why jealous. He's never, that's why people he's are like, never he's so free in the chat. That's free. Oh, you're right. That is free. <laughs> and well, why don't you talk a little bit about that? Because I know you love your brother probably more than anyone else in the world, other than your son and your and your girlfriend. Right. What not just as much, though. Yeah. It's, it's family is the most important <laughs> right. people to me. Yes, exactly. What is it about how he lives his life that so inspires you to live your life like you do? Jay has always been this guy, even in uh, when he was like a little kid, he would like go out in his Batman suit. Like he like had to, he was always like, he no, not only did he dare to be different, he was always cool. Like he pulled <laughs> it off with this like natural, like just kind of like, he doesn't think like the rest. And also, he's amazing at being just ahead of the trends, like a year and a half. He's right, always right. like, like actually quite like a bit, like, like like more ahead of the trends uh, than like even the people who are like a little bit ahead of them. Like Jay, Jay's like, oh, I did that three years ago. Like, check it out. Like old pictures. Like, yeah, you had that style. He's like a time traveler. <laughs> right. I love that. So he's basically the embodiment of cool. Yeah. I and think so, so when you say so. that word, what do you mean by it? Like, what does it mean to be cool? How 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 can a person be cool? Just without trying. That's the only way. Yeah, exactly. It it is something you just. It's it's an internal confidence, right? Yeah, for me, for like when I like think of like myself, why I didn't want to define myself as anything, um, and we've discussed this before. But I think that we're all vessels, so different spirits can run through you. And it's like, oh, sometimes like I feel like I'm like a little bit of a different person than other times, you know. But that's like you are still the same person, but you're kind of trying to flow with the natural wave. And then you're a vessel, you're in touch with the universe, and then the truth should kind of uh, show its way out. I, I, yeah, we, you and I have talked about this a fair bit. I want to talk about manifesting mm. uh, because that's something that I've been thinking a lot about that I've been kind of engaging in as a process. I know Zach's been doing the same. Mm. What's your vision of manifesting and how has, it, how has that idea changed your life? Ooh, this is like the biggest concept. So this is like an ongoing like breaking down of the mind and like what existence is and stuff like that. I think for me, it was like one day I had a realization that life is a projection only like any of these walls here, they're fickle. Like they're not, I mean, I maybe your eyes will deceive you. You know what I mean? Like everything is subject to change. It's like, um, you know, Schrodinger's cat. Yeah. Is it dead you know, or alive? Is it dead yeah. or is it alive? And um, all we're acting on is a series of probabilities all the time. So I'm just assuming that this building isn't going to collapse. And I feel pretty confident about that, but right, it could. Right. It but could. it could. Yep, so yep. any of these things can happen. I think you, what people do is they manifest through negative and positive kind of like thoughts. Like eventually you do little things. It, there, there's both sides. I, I like the scientific kind of like breakdown for people who don't want to get like too spiritual about it. I think there are, little subtle things that people do and um I mean, it's in 48 laws of power robert green he says avoid the unhappy and the unlucky yes 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 and uh those people are that way for a reason you're not just unlucky um you're you're bringing it on yourself it's it's not a coincidence and you're those people are just vacuums of energy and they're, they're black holes but they manifest that they could train their brain to get out of that loser mentality then they could go on to other things. And we've all been there. You know, like I speak from, like, I only can know this because of personal experience. Yeah, we, we write what we know, right? We've all been guilty of being a sloth at one point or another yep, and trying to, yep. <laughs> you know, but when you feel that, I think that's like the worst emptiness you can feel. And I think that's when you want to start manifesting something better. So you start to put plans into action. 
And uh, yeah, I don't mean let's not tell them all of our <laughs> secrets because you had some really great points in this too. But we should write the book first well, and then yeah, sell we'll that write the for, book first. Yeah, for forty nine no, ninety nine. I agree. Well, Zach, why don't you speak to this a little bit because because you've been kind of going on this journey as well. And I and I, when people when we say manifest, people are immediately going to be like, oh, you guys are all into hokey. And you know what? Maybe we are a little bit. But um, but the truth is, it's real. Like it's utterly and one hundred percent real that you can you can have a huge impact on reality itself purely in your mind. There's a really easy psychological breakdown that you can look at that just like follows a pretty um, easy to follow train of thought and it just makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. For me, manifestation is I could if I were to boil it down into one statement, it is you decide. You get to decide and so many people feel like they don't get to decide. And that comes down to, um, I think, a victim mentality that comes down to blaming exterior factors for your own results. When you stop doing that and you realize you get to decide what you get out of the life that you have, that is... uh, Call it uh, Zach Gerber's intro to manifestation. <laughs> there we go. I okay. love it. Okay. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess uh, I'll say this. I don't know if I've said this on the podcast before, but uh, I'll repeat it because not everyone listens to every episode. When I say manifestation, I'm talking about many things. But a great example is if there's an empty patch of earth and I decide to build a house there and then I go through the steps of building a house, how have I not, how is this not a miracle? How is it, how is it not the, the level of complexity that will be in that house, the electrical work, the drywalling, the painting, the roofing, that will all just happen because one day someone decided to put a house there. Your life could be a house. And I love could, the analogy. And you could build it in the way you want. It is possible. Right? All you have to do is decide. It's, and it's simple. It's actually yeah. really simple to decide. Yeah. And, and, and there's going to be roadblocks along the way. Oh, of course. Yeah. And those roadblocks are the way. That's right. Right? Like getting through each of those roadblocks makes you more competent, which makes you more confident. Oh, yeah. yeah. uh, <laughs> we're going to say that at the same time. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> here's, here's, a cool, here's a cool descript on, on roadblocks. Um, and I'll do my best to describe it because no one's actually watching. People, if you can see a straight line on a page... And there's three points. There's the point on the left, there's the center, and then there's the point on the right. People think that you are in the center and failure is on one side and success. So let's say failure is on the left and success is on the right. That's wrong. You are at the beginning of the line. You're all the way over on the left-hand side. Failure smack dab in the middle and you got to go through that shit to get to the success. Ooh, I like that. Yes. Yes. It's yes. That. Yeah, that's that's right. exactly what <laughs> I want to talk a bit about writing music. Okay. And what not what not what your process is, because that's a boring question. What does it feel like to write music? Well, to explain that, I think we really need to discuss my process. Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> okay, let's go into the process. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, so what was the question again? No, I, no, just like, I was planning the- that joke the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> so what, is it, what does it feel like to create music? Um, oh, yeah. So that's like the most fun thing that you can do, I think, other than like sex. But sex is also tied into creation. So right, I think it's like right. the closer you, I mean, I think it gets you closer to God. Which is why that Nine Inch Nails song is so awesome. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That that's it. 
That that's it. It's like sex. It's creation. Yeah, it's creation. In that it's way, in that way, there's creation. a parallel. Yeah. yeah, and that's and that's your mind when your mind is doing something and you feel like you're like making something. Then that's when you feel like it's opening up and you're getting like light shining into you. You know what I mean? It, it, that's satisfaction. And and it's something completely different from science. Wouldn't you say? I guess science always just exists without us even knowing about it. So there's always a scientific breakdown for things, but I don't think science necessarily can quite explain um, things that are so phenomenal that are beyond our grasp of uh, even like getting to the end of, and that's the point of them. Yeah. Yeah. When I watch you create, because I, for those who the listeners who don't know, I live with Dan who's in the band and that we're doing a lot of work in the basement all the time on music. So I get to be there in this creative environment and I have to, I, I mean, Zach exists in creativity, in a creative environment pretty much constantly. Um, it is an entirely different way of looking at the world than most people. Most people, it's so much more vibrant and alive. And if I could like give one piece of advice to people would be start creating, even if you're not good. And I think comedians too. Yes. Um, comedians, they also... Um, sit back and take a look at the world, like try to like get a perspective of it and kind of dwell in that area. So like if you're like naturally like into like that kind of thing, like um, I don't or know. Writers, I, I think they writers. often become yeah, like anything like that. Yeah, but it's all creative, right? Yeah, it's so you're you're, you're, you're built. You're you're taking something from nothing, zero and to one. Shane is both uh, outstanding musician and an outstanding and comedian. A, like a phenomenal <laughs> like comedian. He's hilarious. I've seen him live at Yuck Yucks and different places a couple of times. And actually, I'm, the night I met Shane, he was, uh, uh, want me to tell you the story? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Getting yeah, too derailed. No, no, this is great. About? This is this is how it works. He basically, uh, I was at this bar in Augusta in Hamilton, and there's this British dude. He's not like the tallest guy, you know, but he's super charming. And he was charming the pants off this hot bartender. And I was like, what the hell? Like, I'm like, I couldn't even, I was like, okay, I'm just going to sit back. And tonight tonight this. is his night. He this, was yeah. glowing. Yeah. So I was like, okay. <laughs> you don't want to be that guy who like tries to pipe in no. when someone else is vibing. Then it's just like, okay, like, let's just uh, let this kid have his, uh, his day, day in here. the sun. Yeah. And he was awesome. And so I started talking to him and he's like, oh yeah. He's like, I'm a musician, blah, blah, blah. I just did a stand up set here tonight. So obviously he just killed it with the crowd. So he was living off that crowd energy buzz. So, you know, he could, he was invincible. And, uh, <laughs> I was like, this guy's awesome. Great performer. Went to see him perform. Me and Jay went and watched him. And then we were, he was so funny. He was, he was awesome. That we were just like, this guy has got like charisma, like all these things. He's smart, clever, you know, and uh, and he's got like a little attitude where like he can like he can be like kind of nice, but then all of a sudden like he come boom like comes in like that. So he's got this like wide range of feel. Um, so we started making music with him, and originally we just brought him in to put the live act together. Um, I I just you know was excited to see what he brought because of his personality and because he's such like a unique individual. And um, he hasn't disappointed. It also never harms to have a comedian around. Yeah, no. exactly. <laughs> it makes life more interesting. Exactly. Well, we all are comedians. Yeah. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> well, now that you've described Jay and Shane, maybe just describe Dan so that the, the listeners can get a picture of the whole band. Danny. Okay, well, they call him Danny, Danny Ice, Ice Cold. Cold. Yes. That's his nickname. With women all around. There's always women around him. <laughs> this guy is... Uh, He's handsome Dan, you know. 
I guess what I call him. We did a show in the he, summer. He, that dude must have popped out of his mom jacked because he's just <laughs> oh, he's always a, oh, he so just looks strong. like a freaking GI Joe. Yeah, <laughs> like <laughs> the does. dude is a specimen. Yeah, yeah, he really is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so originally met Danny a few years ago. Both like downtown Hamilton guys. Found out he was a musician. We're on Twitter. He posted a video of him playing piano, and I was like, "Holy shit, this guy can play!" Like not not joking around no, like outstanding no. like really tough and like he then he put like a classical piece on that he was working on i'm like jesus <laughs> yeah, he's yeah yeah awesome so then we like jammed a couple times and whatever um i rented out a room at his place for like a few months at one point in time um when i was in between like a couple different places downtown and uh and we jammed a ton then and we actually started writing a couple things and i think that's pretty much what roped him into the band is then we kept coming back to some ideas and some stuff we had been working on we were jamming and then all of a sudden the band situation got a little bit uh fluid and it was just kind of like well let's uh let's see what we can create and then me him and jay started doing stuff uh last summer but danny the the good thing about him is he's like awesome you can rip on him and like he'll never phase him never Not for a no. second he'll, he'll, he'll just kind of be like he'll shrug it off he'll joke along with it like and then like he'll like you know he'll have like a clever line he's like smart witty he's uh awesome dude and he gets art he gets you want to talk about he someone who understands art. yeah he appreciates the subtleties and like he likes to dive deep into it um and I think that makes him probably why he's a great piano player. Yeah. And also has a roofing company and a whole business that he does too. Like he's just, one of the things, and I've noticed mm. this with you and with him and with, with Shane, interesting people are doing a lot of different things. Mm. They're not just, they're, they're still focused on their long-term goal and it's very specific, but it's even like with Ian and you with hunting. And to have an interesting life, you have to do interesting things. Right, and people act like that's hard. It's not hard. Just go out and do. That's just your manifestation point again and again. It's yeah. like just decide, 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 decide. Yeah, and I think a lot of people accept, like in the current situation, like oh, we have to stay at home. I guess we'll all do Zoom calls with our grandmas. <laughs> like yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, I don't get it. No, I can't do that. <laughs> like, I, not that I'm like I'm gonna see my grandma next week, so right. don't get that twisted. <laughs> but um, but I'm gonna go see her. Right, you're you not gonna I mean? zoom it. No, no, no. Come on. <laughs> well, on that topic, how do you feel about the lockdowns? Well, I think that's pretty apparent. <laughs> I think they're stupid, and I would just end them tomorrow and be like, "There, we're good." Yeah. Yeah. Like just everybody go back to your lives and then just get rid of the, you know, fear propaganda and we'll move on. <laughs> well, why do you think, why do you think people are so afraid? <sighs> because they're fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. You're going to make me say it <laughs> because they're fucking stupid. Um I think it's also that um no one is out there saying the truth. Yeah, they're afraid they're afraid to say the truth. Yeah. That's the that's the truth. Is that nobody wants to be the one to step outside the line. It's uh the emperor's new clothes time and time again. That's humanity. Is nobody wants to be the one it's like that Jerry Seinfeld bit where he says the number one fear in America is public speaking. Like more than death. Number two is death. So for the average person, if you're at a funeral, you'd rather be in the casket than giving the eulogy. Yeah. 
Yeah. Which is so whack. Is that an actual statistic? Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. There's, there's oh, well, according to it. Jerry Seinfeld. Well, yes. So, I mean. Um, so but, take it with a grain of salt. But. Um, take it with a grain of salt. But I bet he saw that thing, wrote the bit, would be my guess. Yeah. Rather than fabricated out of nowhere. Yeah. Well, and, and here's the interesting part about that, right? What does that say about people? Why are they so afraid of it? I think they're so afraid of it because they're afraid. At least this is my, this is my analysis of it. They're afraid that everyone's going to find out who they actually are because they know and they think and they don't like who they are. Whoa. Yeah. I also think it's tribal. I think it's I think it's very primal mm. not wanting to step out of the narrative of your tribe to fit in, to be secure. It's a security thing for sure. Right. Yeah, that's true. That's a really so good many point. people think that life is a giant who's the best at fitting in contest. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> I'm fitting in even harder like, than you. <laughs> right. I have this newest thing. This newest that phone. Everyone wants, phone. That everyone wants. I lined up at night to get a phone. <laughs> like consumer culture is like at this like level right now where it's embarrassing. That is an interesting take on it that I hadn't really thought about. People line up outside of stores. To get a new phone. Yeah. Why? Because be, it's the it newest. Would be, it would be one thing. Well, it's, it's, it's not because they need a new phone. No, status <laughs> symbol. Yeah. Yes. But it's a stupid status symbol. Like, could there it's be a stupider? No. <laughs> I guess that's like the new, like, I guess back in the day you would have like your gold and your jewels and like right. whatever. Now it's like you have your phone. It's like a sign of, I guess, like wealth. Like you you spent on it, so you want to show it off. They put the money into it. So they, I mean, I, happiness is relative. So I guess like right now we're being a little judgmental. <laughs> that's but true. Like, that's um, true. But because we, we see it, we don't see it that way. So it does look stupid. <laughs> but I guess if they are happy and like they live in that world and like we are the monsters who come in and take them away from their little <laughs> Oh, right, you know what I mean? So right, you got to keep true. that in mind. Like, you know, we don't want to be the monsters. We don't want to be the monsters. That's why like tact is so important. That's why you have to be like, keep their feelings in mind as much as like, you know, you know, they're wrong um, on your core kind of understanding of reality. I like that. So rock and roll. Mm. What is rock and roll? Uh, I have a manifesto. <laughs> yeah. On your Twitter. So yeah. what, tell us everyone your Twitter handle so we can, uh, uh just mucho disaster. I'm mucho disaster. I'm mostly just liking leaf tweets lately <laughs> and tweeting and like retweeting anti lockdown stuff yes. that I come across and like and retweeting David. Yes, <laughs> true, so true. Basically, true. all I do. But um, on there, you've got a kind of a you've thought through this. You're not just you know oh rock and roll. You're like no. Why is rock and roll so important? And and you've introduced me to this concept. I've always been obsessed with music. Zach knows we used to like listen to songs when I was like three. I've, I've just been listening to music for my whole life. I'm just I'm not sure I was alive when you were three. Okay, well, whenever when you were three. <laughs> um, Fact check. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you introduced me to this idea of rock and roll that I kind of known on the periphery and now I'm seeing from the inside. And it's this idea of radical freedom. Hmm. Right. And I've never worded it that way. Yes. No, I know you haven't, but it's just, I'm just trying to like explore this idea. But, okay. but the idea is the freedom comes from within, right? You can't be rock and roll if you're worried what other people think of you. Um, totally true. Basically, when we started talking about rock and roll, this is when we were making Mucho once. So I, I, I mentioned earlier that we like worked on it over the course of a few years. But towards the end, during that final year, and specifically the final like six months, Al was living in Vancouver. Um, he was doing um, a movie out there. 
but then he was flying and staying at my place downtown Hamilton for two weeks at a time to work on the album in my basement. Yes, that and is then rock he would and fly roll. By. That was rock and roll. And uh, he was sleeping on like a baby mattress that I had like lying on the floor. <laughs> that was it. And wow. I was and I was just uh, I was teaching one dance class a week, so I'm like you know once a week for like an hour I'd like go out, right. be gone for a couple hours, and he would like be editing stuff and whatever. And other than that, I was bartending a couple nights a week, so I'd be like, okay, I'm gonna be like gone tonight for like six hours and then whatever edit or whatever yeah yeah. so like yeah that's his time to sort through what we were working on and continue writing new stuff and whatever or just maybe relax like at that point you know and you're probably super happy in that time i was i was but um so what during this time we also started uh writing down all this like stuff we started saying that is rock and roll or you know what rock and roll is is this and then we ended up making like kind of a philosophy kind of manifesto with the opening line would be rock and roll is life and uh then from there, it's just kind of like how it's balanced, it's karma. It's the gateway between the material world and the uh, spiritual world. And it's it's everything. It's it, But it's always balancing itself out. And that's just one part of it. It's, there's a whole thing. But basically, it's like every facet of life that stays as true to nature as possible. And why do you think that is? Why spe- specifically rock and roll? Because um, everybody has selfish kind of desires and ambitions and they want to stray away from true nature and they want to, you know, be be a god of sorts. But if you always like humble yourself and you come back and like you come back to that place, uh, that's rock and roll. You know, not getting too far on that it's side. It's not you. It's a thing apart from yourself. And that's what, yeah, it says in the manifesto, You, we are but vessels. I am just an observer on the journey of rock and roll. Because I, what my, my aim would be to always just kind of be letting spirits flow through me and whatever. And then it's never, you know, a concrete like me. But I'm, I, I show up sometimes and it's like, it's just a matter of like always trying to keep that balance. Sometimes you lose. Sometimes you fuck up. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. Well, sometimes I guess you lose your connection to this idea, right? And you and you just become obsessed with some pathetic, meaningless thing that becomes worry and anxiety. You take your eyes off the prize. Yeah. 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 What is the prize in, in your mind? Uh, happiness, which only comes by way of freedom. Right. And yes. that's just, I've always, I think all of us, I think man in general just wants to be free. You know, we want to be as free as we can. I think that's why people also search for um, within the world. So I like to not play the game. I like to try to think of myself as like more, I would rather be a woodsman than like um, be like immersed in politics. Right, yes, yes. You know, Um, so like that would be, I would just want to not play the game. But I think the reason why people play the game so hard and try to move up in it is because then you can create more freedom, right? Because power equals more freedom, less restrictions on you. Like you're you're protected and whatever the case. But I think there's always a counterbalance to that. That power is also going to come with this weight on this other side where things can talk. Responsibility. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Uh, There's a a metaphor I read about that once um, of a businessman who was, on this is a parable it's not a real story but a businessman who was on um, a vacation somewhere in the caribbean and he met this caribbean fisherman who was really really good at fishing and uh the businessman said you know you you really should you know you should get a couple boats together and then get your crew get a crew together and then have a bunch of people fishing for you and then and then after that, you know, you could scale the business and make it bigger and bigger. And then you could open up operations in America where there's more opportunity and you could be, you know, you could own a company and you could make all of this money and be really, really successful. And then you would be free. And he said, 
but I am already free <laughs> because I am fishing. Yes. Right. Perspective. Yeah. Um, yeah, totally. Yeah, it's like um, they, t- they try to tell you, I mean, that song Working Class Hero by John Lennon is like perfect for Love this. Love that song. Yeah. It's perfect for this. It's something to be. Yeah, a working class hero. If they is tell you what it takes to be happy, and that's to keep you as average as possible. They have, there's geniuses and really intelligent people who are stamp jockeys for the bank, approving loans. Yeah, and these yeah. are like because it's like oh, well, that's a good paying job. So smart people get stuck into the system, and they go up and they do amazingly well, so that it can be a big shot at the bank. And it's like, what kind of, do you get a lot of fulfillment from that? Well, you fit really well into society because you're doing really well. You have a lot of freedoms because you have a lot of money. You have the big house. You know but you're not I mean? free at all. But you're, yeah, the, it's like Fight Club, the things that you own on you, right? Yes, yes. I love that line. So true. I mean, and I think. But how do you escape it? Well, that, and that's the question, right? And maybe there isn't a, a full-on answer to how do you fully escape it. Maybe you can't fully escape it, but what I've. What I've discovered in this time of living with Dan and being involved with your band is you can escape it. And I want everyone listening to understand that you don't have to live a mediocre life. Nobody does. That's true. I like how this whole podcast is a giant motivational speech. <laughs> like this is an uplifting one. Yeah. If you need a kick in the pants, yeah. this is the podcast Best for, for you. you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> No, but like it, it honestly is interesting to think to think about how well, we had. We just had a uh, guest on who was talking about how he would work at his nine to five and come home and watch Netflix, and he was getting fat and he was miserable, and he changed his life. Right? He got he found his own freedom, and it's not as hard as people think. Like you've lived a life of very much freedom. Like I love the idea that you you were just living in your van for a while and that didn't bother you. I'm sure you it was some of the best times you ever had. It was. It was. And also I was at that time just getting the sense I was like on to like good things because I think I was enjoying what I was doing. So yeah, I think it's funny because my years teaching dance, I a lot of my clients were in their 50s. You know, it's like couples who like, oh like the kids are out of the house. Now we have spare time. Maybe we'll go learn to yeah, dance. Let's, let's take some ballroom dancing lessons. You know, it's a good one. And so they come out and um, you get to know these people because you're working one-on-one private lessons with them. You see them an hour a week. And over the course of six months a year, I had the same clients and stuff. Um, and a lot of them said the same things I found, which was basically that they wish that they did this when they were 25. <laughs> right. But at that time, they were just saving everything and, you know, paying their into their RSPs and then saving up for the kids' college fund and, like, everything else. And then it was just like, oh, so now they're, like, living their lives in their 50s and, like, oh, if we did this when we were young, like, imagine how much fun we would have had. You know what I mean? Had a lifetime of it. Yeah. There's very few things that I've done that I regret, but there are many things that I haven't done that I regret. Mm. And I yeah. think that's kind of what you're saying. Yeah. You can, like, go do the things that you want to do. You get one crack at it, you know? Yeah. You get one life, it's yours. You have to live it. Yeah. I, 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 th- yeah, for me, I couldn't agree more because I think the real limitation is fear. It's, it's, this is why COVID is such a big deal right now. This is why the law is because people are terrified because they haven't accepted that they're going to die. Fear is the hand that pulls your strings. Yeah. 
And and so I think of a couple, right? This couple that you're talking to, that you're teaching to dance, and they're having so much fun. They're like, I wish I'd done that before. But they were so afraid of their financial security and making sure everything was secure and safe that they couldn't even go to dance lessons. And if you think about it, how much easier would it have been if they just done that and said, we'll figure it out. That's how right. I live my life. We'll figure it out. Right. right. The decide moment, the moment where you decide is then the answer to, okay, when you say I'm going to do this, it's going to be like, well, how are you going to do it? We'll figure it out. You got to dive in. Yeah. You got to take the step. You got to jump off the cliff. And then just trust that it'll sort itself out because you're going to stick to it. There's a great uh, line. I forget who it's from. But it says act and the universe will align itself to your will. Yeah, and you know, people, I, I read those things for years, and you see all the yes, slogans, yes, yes. and, and you're you like, know, oh, motivational things on Instagram. I always believe them. I always believe them. I'm like, I think this is true. I thought there was something to it. And then, like, I think, like, just like the more you start to kind of move along, and the more you start to feel good about what you're doing, like, the more you just kind of realize, oh, it's totally true. Like, <laughs> yes, it's totally it's, true. It's all true, right? Yeah, it is. And I think, the, at least for me, when I would see those things, I wasn't like you, where I'm like, this is true. I was like, oh, these people, they're just all full of this, you know optimism and like happy words and like empty phrases, but they're not empty. Mm. They're not empty at all. Except for live, laugh and love. Oh yeah. That's well, that one's phrase. empty. That one's empty. If you see yeah. that on a pillow, don't buy that pillow. No, no. I mean, what does it even mean? <laughs> These are all things we're going to do. Live, laugh and love. <sighs> Too obvious guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. This has been a motivational podcast. I guess it is. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 This one. Also, this, did sell you... this tape to uh, for motivational <laughs> right, speeches. Yeah, why not? Did you show up with a coffee and a beer? I did. Yes. I love that. Yeah. That <laughs> is the most, rock and roll. That is the most stylish anyone has shown up to a podcast. <laughs> it's true. It's true. And the the listeners can't see, but he's also got sick pants on. Plaid plaid yeah. pants. Yeah. Um. So it, where where do you see this going? What do you want to like? What are you What do you want to experience? Like what What are some of the cool things you hope to observe in the universe? Some cool things I hope to observe in the universe. Well, more on a base level, more freedom is like the main thing, and what that means uh, for me personally. Um, one thing that I really miss is just performing live. It's my calling. I feel it's like everything that I do. Um, since I was little, like they asked what I wanted to be when I was five years old, I said a comedian. Right, right. You know, I always wanted to, and then, you know, just, I, I love it. And like, I'm seeing the Northern Stars dance competition. It's great. Like, it's, it's like a fun energy. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun just to like be on stage. And my favorite thing to do in the world is play music on stage. So I just want to get back to doing that. And I want to basically play a giant show would be like my next big goal is to play a huge, huge show with tons of people who are having fun and who are like, and we're just all on riding a wave of like freedom together. Yeah. I think that would be yes. uh, like a, a, a life changing experience like that. <laughs> yeah. I want it, that I want to really have. Yes. Yes. So that's where my head's at right now. I love that. That is a great mission. Um, Zach, you've played gigantic shows. Uh, we've talked about this on the podcast before. Tell or give him something to manifest. I don't. 
I don't feel like it's my right well, to no, manifest like, for him. No, what I mean is... <laughs> don't even think about it, bud. <laughs> <laughs> don't tell me what to do, David. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> you know what you I mean. You manifest what you want to manifest. <laughs> yeah, manifest. I'm going to manifest over here. <laughs> Away from you. Get out of my... Man- your presence right now. <laughs> Get out of my manifestation circle. <laughs> um, but what I mean more, more like... The experience, you've talked about it before, I, but I loved what Scott said about the energy you get from the crowd. Yeah, it's pure elation. It is, it's, when you, there's, some, there's, there's something that happens because bad shows happen and good shows happen and there's a difference between the two. And it isn't necessarily size that determines what that difference is. It's crowd energy. There is something that happens when the crowd connects with the band and the band connects back with the crowd and you can't replace that and you can't fake it and you can't pretend and it is only ever there in its organic form. Live live magic. It's magic. You can't bottle it up. You can't can't save some for later. It's, ha- it's, it's being in the now. It's experiencing a live experience with a bunch of other people. And, and you can't capture it on your phone, so put your phone away. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it won't be the same. No. There's no. no point. You might as well live in the now. You're taking away from your own experience. Yes. The other, the other day, uh, I woke up at like 4 a.m. and the moon was just boom, like beaming into my room. I'm like, that? It was a full moon the other night. Yeah. And I was like, that's one of the most beautiful sights I've seen, right? I was just like, mm-hmm. it's so in awe. And I tried to take a picture of it, and it was horrible. And I'm like... I also never try to take a picture of the moon. No, no, no. <laughs> it's terrible. Right yeah. <laughs> right, yeah, nature, I know. Like, when you're, like, driving, there's, like, a nice landscape. You're like, oh, my God, this is glorious. Yeah, you, you take a picture, <laughs> and you're like, they'll never know. They'll, they'll never... Know. I can't send they, this they to, like, my brother and be like, look at this. He'd be like, oh, cool. Yeah. Like, no, you got exactly. you, you got to be, be there. there live. You got to be yeah, there. Yeah, and so if you haven't tried... Just try being in the moment. Yeah. You know? Nice. Back to motivational yeah. speeches. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's a theme here. There's a theme. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a theme. There's a theme. You will never, and I mean, unless I guess there's certain, there, there could be an argument made for like professional photographers, but like me with my iPhone, I'm not going to capture that sunset. Right. Right. And people think that you have to imprint this digital piece of data to remember the event. But um, on my honeymoon, I went out to the beach to watch the sunrise over the ocean. And I didn't take a photo because I wasn't there for the photo. I was there for the experience. For the moment, yes. yes. And that experience is going to be better than the photo. I never bothered taking the photo, but I, but I know, you know? Well, Scott, uh, I love what you're doing with the band. I love who you are. I love your love for rock and roll. But most importantly, I just, your perspective on life has really enriched my own. So thanks for coming on the podcast and being you. Thanks, guys. That means a lot. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Canadian Story. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at The CAD Story. That's The CAD Story. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with your friends and family. Let's work together to remind Canadians how great their country is.